Before we begin, a quick warning. This story contains violence, references to sexual assault, and racial epithets. Listener discretion is advised. Spoke Media Hello, ghost family. Welcome to Family Ghosts. Folks, today's story is special for a couple of reasons. First off, it's our season two finale, and as you probably noticed when you refreshed your feed, it's a two-parter. That's because today's story is a big story. It starts in the 1830s and goes all the way up to the present day. But it's also a completely different kind of story than we've ever told. And that's because of the artist who's gonna tell it. Her name is Martha Redbone. Martha is a singer and songwriter based here in Brooklyn. And that's an excerpt from a record she released in 2012 called Garden of Love, Songs of William Blake. The album is a fusion of the poetry of William Blake and various forms of roots music. Martha wrote the William Blake album with her husband, the pianist Aaron Whitby. And over the last few years, they've been working on a new project, one that's much more personal. Martha comes from a family that's a blend of Cherokee, Black, and European ancestry, which means that when it comes to ignorant comments, she's heard it all. These are just a few of the actual comments made to me throughout my life. Martha Redbone, you look black to me. You just light-skinned it, but you black. I can see you got Indian all up in your face, and you got good hair. You look Indian, but girl... You have a nigger nose. Red Indians are still alive. You must be joking. Light-skinned blacks are always trying to claim they're Indian. Oh, don't tell me. Your great-great-grandmother was a Cherokee princess, right? Oh, you're going to have to choose which road to walk. Yeah, right? you can't be both. But Martha doesn't need anyone else to explain her heritage to her. Her family has been telling the story of who they are and where they come from for generations. I can tell you the name. I can tell you the place. Even the date. I could write a book. In fact, I could even write. And that's exactly what she did. I'm gonna tell you a story about my family. Our family kinda just like mine. We are red of the land. We are black, work to work. We are white, those with hope. 
but not confused. So recently, we got together with Martha and her band in a recording studio. And today, on the show, we present our adaptation of that project Martha and Aaron have been working on. The story of Martha's family, from Black Mountain, Kentucky to Brooklyn, New York. A fusion of storytelling and song, hatred and hope, history and harmony. From Spoke Media and WALT, you're listening to Family Ghosts. I'm Sam Dingman, and this is episode 16, Bone Hill. Act One begins after the break. We know there's a lot going on in the news. China is still struggling to contain the coronavirus. It has been a turbulent year in politics around the world. Smoke darkens the skies above Aleppo's countryside. This fire is burning out of control, and it's just 25 miles from Canberra, Australia's But here's the thing. There are also a lot of compassionate people doing amazing things for others every day. How do you pay someone back who saved your life? I am so incredibly grateful that I need to pay it back to her, but also pay it forward to others. Hear those stories on Kind World, a podcast about how acts of kindness can transform lives. That's Kind World. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Family Ghosts. You're listening to our Season 2 finale, Bone Hill, an original storytelling song cycle performed by Martha Redbone and her band, telling the remarkable story of Martha's remarkable family. We're Cherokee people, bird clan, hunters and messengers, mountain people from Harlan County, Kentucky. That's Appalachia. In our peaceful little world of Appalachia. How sweet the silence in the still of our hollows. We hear the calling of our Lord. Black coal, coal is running through our veins. Bloody Harlem, Kentucky. Our story begins in Harlan County, Kentucky, 
where Martha Redbone has vivid memories of sitting on her grandparents' porch. From our family's house, up on top of Bone Hill, we could see what everybody was up to in the camp. Oh, a camp? That's a mining town, a coal mining town. Yeah, sitting on my grandparents' porch. We could see who was coming in and riding out. But way back, when Martha's family first moved into that house, it was Martha's great-grandmother, Liza, who used to sit on the porch looking out across the valley. Everyone in the camp knew great-grandma Liza. She went way back to when Indians lived throughout those mountains. When she gave you the eye, it was so cold, even Satan needed a fur coat. But mostly, she just sat up on that porch dreaming about them old-time powwows. My great-grandma Liza dreamed about the stories her grandparents told her. Stories from way before the Trail of Tears. Or as we say, the long walk. They like to tell you a story that after the Indian Removal Act, all Indians were gone. But that's not quite what happened. When we were forced from our homes, some of our people ran into the hills. Mama Mason fire in her heart When the soldiers came searching for the ones who slipped the trail She'd watch them from the hill She'd watch them all the way The dogs kept howling their songs of rage and fear All the horrors of murder of death, blood and tears Then steel as a stone my Mason Still a lay low In the cool of the earth A child aching for the chance to breathe Her little grieving heart Pounding just like our drum As she watched all our Cherokees go Gone was our Cherokee home Then still as a 
My family was one of the ones that made it back from the long walk. Mama Mason and her husband Joe signed up on that Dawes roll, and they cut out of Indian territory as Oklahoma was still known and headed right on back home. There were bands of Indians that helped walk them through, like slaves did in the Underground Railroad. They wanted to find their relations who'd lived across the Smoky, Clinch, and Black Mountains. They didn't want to die in a new place. It took our people almost two years, but we got back and great-grandma Liza was born on Black Mountain. But by then, coal had been discovered and everything changed. Bone Hill will continue after the break. Before we move on, I want to take a moment to tell you about another podcast you might enjoy. It's called Killer Knowledge from Parcast. If you're a fan of true crime and you want to put your skills to the test and be crowned an undisputed expert, then you should definitely check out Parcast's new trivia podcast, Killer Knowledge. It's all the mystery and suspense you've come to expect from Parcast, now in a fast-paced interactive format. Every Tuesday, Two competitors go head-to-head to correctly answer multiple-choice true crime questions. Whoever gains the most points after 20 questions wins. Each episode dives deep into a different, shocking topic from history, such as the Manson family, Jimmy Hoffa, and even the Jonestown Massacre. With each question and answer comes additional content surrounding the event, enlightening even the most knowledgeable true crime lover. You can play by yourself, challenge your friends, and prove your prowess by sharing your results with Parcast on social media. You never know, you might even find yourself in the hot seat one day. Follow Killer Knowledge free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out more Parcast shows on Spotify by searching for Parcast in the Spotify search bar or go to spotify.com slash Parcast. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, Martha Redbone told us about Mama Mason, who was forced off her family's land on Black Mountain in Harlan County, Kentucky, by the Indian Removal Act. But Mama Mason and her husband Joe refused to be separated from their home. It took them almost two years, but they made their way back to Black Mountain and had a daughter, Liza, Martha's great-grandmother. But in the years the family had been gone, Black Mountain had changed. The new settlers kept arriving and driving Indians off the land, and as a child, great-grandma Liza lost her whole family and found herself completely alone. Sometimes she was silent, for weeks or months even. Some people thought she was a mute because she rarely spoke. You can't just speak to anyone now, because the devil is always listening. In the aftermath of the death of her parents, Joe and Mama Mason, Liza found herself living in the home of one of the European settlers on Black Mountain. Mr. Whitaker, a white man from England who's recently become a clerk for U.S. Coal. Now, Mr. Whitaker is 45 years old, brought his wife over from England. My dear brother Henry, please forgive me my tardiness writing, but my first year in this wondrous new land has been a veritable whirlwind. They call it Black Mountain, 
But to me, it is Phoenix Mountain, a place of rebirth and renewal. And in these serene mountains, the heavens are closer and the Lord ever present. And the land's empty for we Christians. <laughs> New land? Empty? Really? Brother, I beseech you to reconsider your decision to remain in London. It would be false for me to claim that the streets here are paved with gold, but in this good country, if you work hard, you will be rewarded. Uh, this theory worked better for some. You know what I'm saying. Brother, the opportunities are not just pecuniary. Suffice it to say, my sweet wife Gladys has a delightful and obedient Indian girl helping out with the house. Imagine that. A proper housemaid. Bingo. That would be 13-year-old great-grandma Liza. And I'm pleased to give her a Christian home and serve as her mentor. Mentor? <laughs> Rapist, more like. Dear brother, I would lie if I said that I miss the crowded streets of London. But I miss you, Henry. Ever faithfully. William. My family always said great-grandma Liza was married to Mr. Whitaker. I guess because of the ten children she bore him. Six of those babies died before they'd made it to four years old. It wasn't right how men could have a wife and take what women they wanted. And slavery was supposed to be over. But try as they might, those Whitakers can't force great-grandma Liza to talk. Mrs. Whitaker called her obstinate as a terrier. But every day, great-grandma Liza sings to those precious little babies that lived. Osteona. When Mr. Whitaker dies, Mrs. Whitaker puts my great-grandma Liza out, her and her four remaining children. No house, no money, and this being a good old U.S. of A., the young common-law widow doesn't get any help from the government. And so, Liza finds herself kicked out of the Whitaker's house, with no means of supporting herself and her four surviving children, despite the fact that Mr. Whitaker fathered those children. But Liza, determined to preserve her family's place on Black Mountain, eventually manages to find a small house for herself and the kids. It's a hard life, but Liza finds a way to keep going, even though she doesn't have anyone else to rely on. But every 10 years or so, she can count on a faithful knock on the door from the census man who comes around to tell her what race she and her kids are. 
It changes every decade. All right, now get out here, you coloreds. Line them up tallest to the shortest. You there, freckles. Step out and let me take a good look at you. Says here you're an engine. Well, there ain't no engines in these parts no more. Uh, 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 uh. This pencil right here will be the judge. You sit down and I'll throw it at your hair. If it stays in, you're a colored boy. Ooh, and you, why, you're almost as white as me with your pretty little sal. I know you're one of them mulatto Whitakers, ain't ya? Who knows who the daddy is to the rest of y'all? Light him up, come on now, I ain't got all day. One, two, three, knock, knock. Who's there? I'm the census man, come into town, gonna judge you by your hair. By your hair, oh, that ain't fair. The census man, do what you can, everything but I hear. Well, you say that you're an engine, how can this truly be? As of this day, in the year of 1850, I declare that the state of Virginia is Indian free. And North Carolina, Kentucky, and West Virginia follow suit. How can you be injured? Your hair is curly brown. I'll take this pan, throw it at your head, and a better fall to the ground. One, two, three, knock, knock. Who's there? I'm a census man, come in town, but I told you by your Or Osage You went to Oklahoma Then turned around and came back Only a fool who's never been to school Would do something like that In the event the Indians become extinct The land exchange shall revert To the United States time, our same family in the same house go from Indian to mulatto to colored, and eventually the census man makes everyone black. 
You see, Indians are wards of the state with at least some rights. Blacks, on the other hand, seems the government knew that making Indians black would get them out of all that. New reparations was never going to happen, even back then when the ink was still wet. But we digress. My great-grandma Liza outlives eight of her ten children. Of the four who made it to adulthood, two die before the age of 25. One in an accident in the mine and another in a bar fight. Only two daughters are left. One goes off and forgets Harlan County. Her last daughter, my Grandma Easter, is the one who stays and cares for great-grandma Liza all her life, looking after the home while great-grandma Liza just sits on that porch watches those wheels roll by. The rolling of the wagon wheels that took our people away on that trail of tears was deep in her bones. And the wheels of those coal trains just roll on in. Coal was big money. By this time, my Grandma Easter is a young mother who's just kicked out her worthless husband, a Cherokee baseball player named Tibby. And, unfortunately, a drunk Sorry for the cliché, folks, but there were only two in our family who didn't drink. She has a baby, Junior, from this very brief marriage, and she takes care of the baby and her mother, cleans houses, does hair, cooks, and bakes cakes, everything just to make ends meet. Ooh, wee, but that Easter was pretty. You could just sop her up with a biscuit. Ah, the fellas didn't stand half a chance. She didn't have time or eyes for no one but her baby. I can still remember them cakes she made. People said she baked with the Lord in her hands. Small or a little blue dress, not a hair or a word out of place. But if you look a little deeper at her papers, you'd guess Mama's pretty face was depressed. She'd smile with a sigh and a huff and a puff, and we were tickled by her ways. Cause she was headed for the kitchen with a bowl and all the fixing, just a mixing and a stirring all the days. For goodness sake, Mama's gonna bake another cake. Mama's gonna bake, Mama's gonna bake, Mama's gonna bake another cake. Food, lemon, button, macaroons, baked Alaska, coconut, seven layers, plenty, two, ten. 
down She'd holler out the back Get the children in for the night We could tell she was reeling Cause somebody hurt her feelings She was huffing and puffing with a sigh Mama never said a word But her thoughts could be heard By her smells from the cooking through the town Cause she was headed for the kitchen with a bowl and all the fixing Just a mixing and the steering till the sun goes down For goodness sakes, mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake another cake Mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake, mama's gonna bake another cake even as a very young woman, my Grandma Easter cares for everybody. And she makes the most delicious stews. Ooh, her bean bread. Ooh, her bean bread. Mm. She makes the family's clothes, quilts everything she puts her hands on. And every evening in the still mountain night, she sings lullabies to baby Junior. I think she sings them so she can coax great-grandma Liza to sing with her. Ooh, nay. Lena Iwechi Iga Koya Hei Nako Sosa Wiulose Iga Koya Isn't that just the sweetest picture? But let me back up a sec. There's one thing great-grandma Liza has a bone to pick with her daughter Easter about. It's a big black bone from Mississippi named Billy Bone. <laughs> My granddaddy Billy Bone, a Choctaw and black handsome something from Mississippi. He's come to Harlan County with his brother to work in the coal mines. No more sugar no more Finger popping as we ride on up the road. We got coal, we're working in the mines. Push you, push stuffing cushion. Feel calling, cause we're gonna be a hauling black coal. We're working in the Make her my wife, I got a brand new lease on live black 
Come up to the mountains with big dreams for a better life far away from sharecropping, which was just a fancy new word for slavery after the fact. But they don't know those ads they saw in Mississippi were meant to bring them in as strike breakers. Continue after the break. Spoke Media. Welcome back to Bone Hill. Before the break, the man who would become Martha's grandfather, Billy Bone, came to Kentucky with his brother to find work in the coal mines. Billy and his brother had seen ads back in Mississippi for coal mining jobs on Black Mountain ads which had conveniently left out the fact that they'd have to cross a picket line in order to get those jobs. But once they arrive on Black Mountain, they don't have much choice, so they take the work, thrusting them into the midst of a simmering labor dispute that, as we'll hear, will continue to haunt the family. But before we get there, how did Billy Bone become part of Martha's family? Let's get back to Martha. One day, Billy Bone goes into town to get a haircut at the colored barbershop. And that's where he sees my Grandma Easter, or as Grandpa would put it, where she first caught his eye. Dirty clothes from the mine, but a smile that warm my soul as you held the door. Cause you were so beautiful to me 
to run home and tell her mama her big news. Mama! I met someone. <laughs> He's a miner. They gave him the house next to the church. He's got his own house. <laughs> That's right, mama. Old man Turner's house passed on last month. The one on the hill. And he wants to marry us. Oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord. That's a good house. Mama, mama, it is. My prayers have been answered. My prayers. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Things are going to change for us, mama. And Junior, they change it already. We can finally hold our heads up. Little Junior's going to have him a good daddy. Yes, Lord. What is this fine miner's name? Mr. Billy. Bone. His brother's got a good job, too. Bone? Mm -hmm. Who are his people? What camp is he from? His people from Mississippi. He and his brother come all the way up from that way, and they got good jobs. Mississippi? Mm -hmm. Ooh, they Choctaw people. Mm -hmm. What family are they in? Yeah, they Choctaw. And colored. What? Uh, you mean he's dark? Uh, oh, he's, he's colored. Well, what color? You said he was Choctaw. And colored, Mama. No. Mm, you can't be marrying no colored man. The whole town will be talking. Why, they already talking about how we put out Junior's daddy. People in there talk. I ain't having it. Wait, wait. Ain't this something, Mama? He's a good man. A colored man. They're going to call you Jezebel. Oh. And they're going to say that we... We, we Mama can't go on living like this. 
Junior's sleeping in a dresser drawer. This place is falling down. He's going to marry us. Bring me my Bible. I'm going to pray over you. Bring me my sage. We need to smudge this house down. Mama, please. You got to give him a chance. Just meet him. I know you'll change her. And right then, Billy Bone knocks on the door. Great-grandma Liza opens that door, sees him standing there, big smile, holding two bouquets of flowers. Great-grandma Liza let her flowers drop to the ground, and she does not let him over that doorstep. I see my children vanish before me into the blackness far away from me. I am undone, a child is torn, I have no place to go Heavy rain come Wash away the pain But the stories of our lives Roll That concludes Act 1 of Bone Hill. Our story continues in Act 2. It's waiting for you in your feed right now. Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And we are back with a second season of our podcast, Great Moments in Weed History. The hiatus is over. And the weed puns are clearly not. Bean and I are both cannabis journalists and media makers. And on this show, we go over some of the more fascinating points in the very, very long history of cannabis. And this season, we've got some incredible stories about Barack Obama, about Hunter S. Thompson, Louis Armstrong, the Iron Sheik, Gertrude Stein, and the guy who changed the Hollywood sign to say Hollyweed. He came right here to our weed-friendly studio. We blazed one up, and he told us how it went down start to finish. That's right. We've made a few changes because we are now a Spoke Media original. We've got special guests. We've got a two-parter in there. It's going to be an incredible season. Find us wherever you find your podcasts. Ghost family, thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of what we do. Today, I need to ask for your help. This is something that will only take five minutes of your time. Please go to spokemedia.io slash survey and tell us a little bit about yourself. It really helps us find advertisers, which helps us keep this show in your podcast feed. That's spokemedia.io slash survey. And thank you.